Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to another episode of Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow and I'm so happy you're here. So this episode is going to be pretty short. And the reason why I want it to be short is because I want to just kind of give you like the idea behind a super powerful advocacy strategy. And the idea is a demand letter. The demand letter is a super duper powerful tool. And it's something that I use all the time. I use it, I mean, I probably write a demand letter in my practice at least once a week, if not twice a week, in some way, shape or form. Sometimes I write it almost like, a, sometimes I call it actually a pre-mediation statement. Sometimes I'm writing a demand letter that is um, before the IEP meeting, and it's kind of like the parent's um, input and the, the way that they are providing feedback before the IEP meeting. But really, oftentimes, I'm writing a demand letter to say, here is our position, and here is the substantiation behind the position, the interest behind the position, the proof that we have behind the position, in order to start a conversation in order to kind of get the ball rolling in order to get somebody off of that stuck so if you are stuck in a discussion if your IEP team comes to a well we might have to agree to disagree kind of resolution then the demand letter might be something that would be helpful to you so what is the demand letter? What's in it? You learn how to write a demand letter in law school. And I remember um, learning about my demand. I don't remember actually what I wrote my demand letter on in law school, but I remember feeling like armed and dangerous. I remember thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to get out in the world and I am going to write these letters that say, do this and, and, you know, my clients are, or else, it's kind of like, do this or else. My clients are ready, willing, and able to sue you, take you to court for all equitable relief and all relief that's available at law. And I was ready, ready to do it. And I wrote my first demand letter in practice and I got no response. And I wrote my second demand letter in practice and I got no response. And I wrote my 15th demand letter in practice and I got no response. <laughs> and I always tell my clients that demand letters are like the only thing, the only place where they work is in special education. I have written them in so many other areas of law because I was a general practitioner before I really started to focus on special education. And people would be like, yeah, 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 and put it on the side of their table. And in special education, they work. And I think one of the reasons that they work 
is because we're supposed to be part of a team. We as parents and on the IEP team are tasked with teamwork, are tasked with working together in order to make the right plans for our children. And so I, I think one of the reasons that demand letters work in special education is because it's saying to the team, we can do better. We need to do better. We as a team need to sit down again and we need to work through this. And so often when you, I mean, think about work, think about your family, think about friendships, think about relationships that you have. So often if you're working on a project together, you're in a conversation and you feel misunderstood and you can't get yourself out of it in person. And when you leave the conversation, you might send a text or an email or you might go back to the person in person, go back to the person with a face-to-face -face conversation in person. That was too many use, usages of the word person. Um, and say, you know, gosh, I feel misunderstood. Let me start over. Let me see if I can say this differently. The demand letter is the instrument that allows you to do that. It allows you to say, I feel misunderstood, or I don't think I was thinking, you know, maybe I wasn't thinking clearly. Maybe I've gotten more information and now I can lay it out differently. Whatever it is, it allows you to come back to the table and say, hey, hang on a second. This is what I want. This is why I want it. And I can say it in an organized manner to get it done. Okay, so how do you write a demand letter? I recommend that you head over to rightslaw.com. Surely you know about rightslaw, W-R-I-G-H-T-S-L-A-W.com. Pete Wright has a wonderful example and a couple of write-ups about the demand letter. He calls it a letter to a stranger. So if you go over to rightslaw.com and you go in the top right corner and you type in letter to a stranger, you're going to find his few articles and an example, maybe several, to the letter to a stranger. It is a phenomenal resource and I highly recommend that you tune in to that and that you really kind of internalize what he has to say. So I write my letter to a stranger or my demand letter with the same kind of tone that Pete recommends using over at rightslaw.com. And that is that you are writing to actually the hearing officer. You're writing to the administrative law judge that is going to hear the due process case, even if you aren't planning to go to due process, which hopefully all of us can avoid due process. But we're writing because we are establishing the record just in case we have to go to due process. And so the tone is very, very um, nice and amicable and collaborative and innocent. Oh, 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 so I understand that you said that you don't have an inclusive preschool. When, and when you said that you don't have an inclusive preschool, then that is why I asked this question. So you are setting up the conversation so that you are informing the hearing officer of what the school said, what the school did, how the conversation unfolded at your last or your last few meetings. But you're doing it almost kind of in this sneaky way because what you're really doing is you're establishing the record for the due process hearings. 
that can be super duper powerful. And you're doing it in this really innocent way that doesn't say, this is what I want and this is how I'm gonna get it in the beginning. What you're doing is you're kind of telling the story. And I like to tell the story and to get that record very clear and then come down to the bottom and say, we really wanna come back to the table. And so we want to talk about these four or five issues, whatever it is. We really think that we should revisit educational placement. We really think that we should do this. We really think that we should do that. And then you say, why? And if it's because you got more information, you might say, since we last talked, I have, whatever it is, consulted with an advocate. I've read a book. I've read the attached article. I consulted with the State Department of Ed. I did whatever I did. And here is the why. Here is the substantiation behind why I know I'm right, essentially. But you are saying, this is what I want and this is why I want it in this very amicable, naive, um, uh, almost uninformed, but objectively informed tone so that it sounds non-confrontational. The entire tone should be non-confrontational. That is the goal. And when you're writing, remember, legal writing um, states first the issue. What is the issue? And then we go down to the rule. And the rule is going to be whatever you've researched. The reasons why inclusion works, the things that you should consider in inclusion um, in least restrictive environment cases. You know, I've got a long list of those in the inclusion workshop. So whatever it is, if you're talking about educational placement, that's what it's going to be. If you're talking about alternate placement, it's going to be factors that you consider with alternate placement. Whatever it is, you're going to go through the why. So issue and then rule and then the application of the rule. So here's why this applies to my particular child in your particular school, this particular year, etc. So the application to the facts at hand and then the conclusion. And I actually don't write the conclusion underneath each one of my numbered desires because I think that's a little too formal for this. So I then at the end say, so we look forward to working amicably and we respectfully request a um, IEP meeting, you know, to be scheduled in the next two weeks or something like that. So IRAC, issue, rule, application, conclusion. In law school, we call that IRAC. If you include a little IRAC for each one of your issues, then you're going to make sure that you hit on this is what I want and this is why I want it. Now the undertone, kind of the, the, the other reason that you do this is because school then knows that you are capable of writing something that is that well-drafted and they know that you also know what you want and why you're entitled to get it. And that can be a super powerful thing. If they then know, oh, she's serious. Oh, they've got their stuff together. Oh, they know about rights law. They know about this law. They know about the dyslexia handbook for the state of Kentucky. If they know that you have the tools and that you can articulate them, you can formulate an argument, they might be more willing to work with you even if you aren't saying anything new because you're just saying it in a different format and they know that you have kind of the power of advocacy behind you. 
I talk more about the demand letter a little bit in the negotiation workshop with my ABC students. I think that is probably enough to not overwhelm you for the purposes of the podcast. I can't believe we've gotten this far and we haven't talked about the demand letter since I really advocate with the demand letter so often. So I thought I would give you that quick little tool. Um, I will see you next week. Same time, same place.